I was really getting beat down by the real world, to be honest. Everyone says it, don't be afraid to fail, but failing sucks. For some reason, I'm reminded of Vico Soto. I thought I was a citizen. Oh, and then my mom said something that broke my heart. We were considering me coming home and me helping out. And then my mom asked me how much my job pays me in Shargao. And then I told her, and she said, Hola, Ate, I don't think we can afford you. Wow, has it really come down to this? You were saying that how everything that glitters isn't gold. And I'm sure that your first few years or months even or days out of corporate wasn't gold the whole time. Even if you know. So how was no, it like it that transition? How did it feel and look like? I was really getting beat down by the real world, to be honest. You don't realize how privileged you are when you work in corporate. Just because corporate is designed to help you succeed in a way that you don't understand when you're in it. I think that number one, you have an HR system that filters everyone that you get to work with. I know people love to rant about their office mates, but honestly, like everyone, there's a reason why you're there. If you have complaints, you can do something. Number two is that you're protected by a corporate brand. When you work with agencies, when you work with partners, talk to people outside and you say that you're from this company. You're automatically protected by a corporate brand. Suppliers will treat you with respect. Agencies will treat you with respect. I remember, <laughs> I remember the first time that there was one time where I hired this person. I outsourced something to this person in my startup job. And then he ghosted me. And I was so offended. <laughs> Oh my god, nobody's ever ghosted me before. Like, so wrong with it. It's little things and big things like that where you realize that you really have to think on your own to keep. You really have to be grounded. The first few months out of corporate was a really big realization that, okay, this is what the real world is like. It's not all glitz and glamour. I feel like people, when they leave their corporate job, I thought I have time cocktails in BGC in the afternoon and I could call it a meeting or something. <laughs> it's very humbling again, humbling, humbling, humbling experience. And in that journey, what would you say was the most difficult point in time for you and how did you emerge from that experience? This universe question. <laughs> <laughs> The most difficult thing is something that I still experience now. Like it's this whole jump into uncertainty versus in college and versus in a corporate world where you have a track that you can follow. There's a career path. You know that you're specializing and like that. I think that there's just a day-to-day -day uncertainty that you deal with when you're out of that setting. Especially when one opportunity doesn't work out and then you have to start from zero again and start from scratch. It's very difficult for someone like me who's used to doing well, who's used to having a plan, to be comfortable with this kind of life. Because that's really how it works when you get into entrepreneurship. Everyone says it, don't be afraid to fail, but failing sucks. <laughs> it can really take a toll on you, especially when you have to think, okay, what's next? Especially now with COVID, it hits small and medium enterprises harder than it does a lot of people. The brand that I was working on for these social enterprise I had moving items. I was supposed to launch right when COVID hit. Um, I was supposed to put everything in store in, in Shardao and then COVID hit and obviously nobody has money to spend on these things or there's nobody in store. So it's all this 
uncertainty that you have to deal with much more than when you're in corporate. And honestly, this whole experience has led me on um, a journey with my faith. When everything is uncertain, you really have to look for something that can ground you. So a source of strength, a source of peace, a source of wisdom, or else you're gonna go crazy. <laughs> I would honestly go crazy. There have been so many times where I don't think I would have continued if it wasn't for my faith. And it's a daily thing talaga. <laughs> Oh, thanks for sharing yeah, that. You're welcome. You mentioned a bit earlier on about how you were going to launch your brand and you're doing a lot of things also at home currently with your family business. So with, with COVID and with everything what ha- that happened, what is it that you do now? <laughs> My parents' business, one is a service and one is food. The service, Tremper, it's a service. It's face-to-face. You have to see people. Food naman, you're located in malls. So the moment that COVID hit, we had to shut everything down. COVID came in March. So for both of our businesses, March to May is the peak season. One of the peak seasons of the year that carry you through, like financially carry you through the rest of the year. And ako naman, being who I am, like I have this whole plan of things to do and things to look forward to. Ganun, ganun. So when COVID came, I think it was just one big stop. Stay at home, be with family, and look at the things around you that you can change. So the first phase of COVID was like cleaning the house and doing all of these personal things that have been on hold for long this time. Building habits, um, eating well, working out, stuff like that. But on a business and it's not, so this is uncertainty again. Like it's not just how do you be comfortable in uncertainty, but how do you bloom and thrive and grow despite uncertainty. So for our businesses, I really had to find a way to transition them online to what would make it work. And honestly, it was very, very hard to get motivated for that. If it wasn't for my support system that would be cheering me on. So it's really, really demotivating like for me, this whole thing. Like what's the point? Building an online channel from scratch, knowing that you earn X amount every day from your store and then go online. Oh my gosh, one order, super happy ka na. But if you think of it relatively, like what's 100 pesos versus what you used to earn, right? So I think that I had to think about my motivations. It's my motivation to be big, to be known, to succeed, to see my efforts skyrocket like that. Or is my motivation just to, to honor God, to honor my family, to do good work, to do good business, to take care of our people. It was really a shift again from being very ambitious again with the business results. You don't do something for the result. You do something because it's the right thing to do. Yeah, and there were a lot of values, questions. For example, if you're a business owner and you have employees, there was this whole thing about how much money, support you give your employees. And most people would just say, no work, no pay. Your values and your character really come into play when you want to decide how much of your heart do you give to these people. How do you support them and their families? Also, when the government gives guidelines to businesses, the guidelines don't operate. Pero do you want to abide or do you want to not abide? A lot of things like that. And seeking God in this whole situation has just reminded me to do the right thing because it's the right thing. You know, just to be morally sound to the best of your knowledge. Just because it will help you sleep at night. You will know that at the end of the day, like you're not trying to please an audience of 100, but you're trying to please an audience of one. And that's enough. Be hopeful. 
be faithful and just do the right thing. I think it's well boiling down to that. And you were mentioning also earlier about how you know, like there's this path of business results and there's this kind of path of values and doing the right thing. And I feel like a lot of people kind of conflict with that. It's either one or the other. But do you think there's a way that these two can kind of work hand in hand or together? I think to be realistic, it's harder in some industries as it is in other industries. Because I talk with other entrepreneurs or other child of owners about their experiences with their industries. And honestly, in, in other industries, it's really difficult to avoid all these questionable dealings because it's so ingrained in the industries. That would definitely be, be difficult. I wouldn't know what to do with if I was in that situation. But I think for some reason, I'm reminded of Dico Soto. I read something he said on the like before you get into something, you have to know whether you're non-negotiables. So for him, sabi niya hindi talaga siya mag-accept ng cashback or I forget the term that you call it. Whether it's 10,000 or a million, hindi talaga siya mag-accept. So I think when you're in those situations, you really have to mentally prepare yourself just by setting standards. Because there are a lot of people that know how to twist words and make things sound nice and push you in a corner. The moment you feel one of your um, non-negotiables being attacked, you know that it's wrong. So I think it just try to keep it as simple as that. What are your non-negotiables? And the moment that it feels iffy, that's already a red flag. I had this conversation with a friend of mine a few weeks ago. He was asking me, what's your advice if um, you have a prospect who can be a really good business connection, especially if you're starting out, but you don't like his attitude. He's disrespectful, he's demanding, but he's very well connected. So I told him like the same thing I mentioned before, that not everything that glitters is gold. And I told him that if you already have a gut feeling that you don't want to be with this person or you don't want to have this opportunity, then why are you going to force yourself to do it? So these things will come back to you in the future. I really believe that. And trust your gut, but also build your mental and moral fortitude. Yeah, and you do that, how do you build that is by, well for me, it's trying my best to seek God through reading, through talking to people, through keeping counsel with people that I know are reliable, through having a community that helps you with that. Parents, you know, if, if that works for you. You really have to build these moral questions because I'm not in school anymore. There's no class that will bring out a case study and tell you philosophy of ethics. <laughs> like, there's nothing like that now anymore. You have to really table it out with, with people you trust. The world is so much, so much bigger. Um, there's a lot of things now that you have to do on your own and it's not as structured anymore. And as you shifted from that school, that corporate setup to your entrepreneurial life now, in what way is the experience different and in what way is the experience similar from corporate and school? It's very similar in the way that I'm still in business. What I realized is that every business will have its stupid problems. It's actually very inspiring to have worked inside a corporation because you know how a big business works. You know how well oiled machine works. You know the responsibilities that finance, logistics, supply chain. Like you know how everything works in harmony because you have the standard of a really good corporate background. When I came home, I was able to look at our business in that way. What are the foundations that need to be put in place so that it can have the chance to grow? My goal for, for the businesses are really 
to set it up so that it can expand to make homegrown brands that are franchisable in, in other words and because of my experience in corporate I have a general idea of what that means because if you think about it it's very inspiring for me to think that all these huge companies started as small businesses all these FMCGs, you name it, Nestle, P&G, Unilever, they all started with one main product that someone decided to create, perfect, and scale. And now those companies employ so many people around the world. For me, I would never discount a small business and the potential it can have. I think I bring that mindset to me because I had the opportunity to experience what it meant in a, in a big corporate setting. But how is it different is you have very, 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 very little budget, so, which changes everything. Before in corporate, you know your function, you know your role, your responsibility. And if it's outside of that function, you literally push it to your partner and you follow up because it's not your role. If you're in a small business, you have to get ready to do everything. And especially if it's a family business, so the person that you're following up on is like your dad or your mom and it, it's not easy. This is the other side because in corporate, you don't see those people after you go home, right? So it's a whole different aspect to work and personal relationships when you start to work in small business because these are people that you want to grow with forever and ever and develop. Family business fast, so you have no choice, <laughs> but these are really people that are around. So I think that's what makes it even more challenging. Um, you have limited resources. So you have to be really smart and you have all these relationships within the business that you have to, no matter what, you have to nurture. Especially with the, the family aspect part. It, it's so different, I think, dealing with your family than with people in the corporate world. I swear, if I wasn't convicted to be here, like, because I went through this whole, like, journey, because I know when I was in, when I was in Shergout, I was doing um, freelance consulting, but I was also working as, like, a a marketing manager for a restaurant group. I was working with small businesses in Chargao. I was doing foot marketing, I was doing online marketing, and all these little things that help a small business build their brand. So when I would go home to visit my parents, I would be giving my mom the same advice that I was giving my clients. I realized that the work I was doing for my clients is actually exactly the stuff that my family business could really benefit from. And finally, it was just a shift in perspective. Okay, I have gone through this whole journey and learned this toolbox of skills. And now it's up to me, where do I apply it? I can keep applying it to all these other businesses, but because of my situation in life, I have a family that has their own. Oh, and then my mom said something that broke my heart. We were considering me coming home and me helping out. And then my mom asked me how much my job pays me in Shergao and then I told her and she said Hello, Ate, I don't think we can afford you that really broke my heart that my mom actually would appreciate the help but then the first thought that came into her mind was she couldn't afford me and I was like wow has it really come down to this? <laughs> um, so that was really something that stuck with me and then as I was thinking about it when I was living in Chargao I just thought that so the reasons I moved there were very different I had a lot of character development and I was living on that island it's a lot of internal dialogues and I was thinking okay if I feel like I've, I've had my time to explore but now it's time to apply what I learned where it matters 
after eight long years, I went back home. <laughs> End of story. Oh, that's so nice to hear that after eight years, you really transitioned and you really developed. And what were one of the key things you learned also during your, your stint in Shargao? Living on the island and being surrounded by all these amazing people, it really made me question what matters to you because people choose to live there for different reasons. To choose to go on vacation is a vacation, but to choose to relocate to a remote island slash tourist destination is a whole different thing. And everyone has their own motivations. So for me, it made me question also what are my motivations? Like, is this somewhere I want to stay forever, which was an option? Or is it somewhere that is just for now? So at any point, what I learned the most of it is to know why you're there. Because Shargao versus any other place, this is a tourist destination. It's fun. It's exciting. It's such a good mix of culture and experience. It's so easy to get distracted. So if you're not grounded, if you don't know why you're there, you can very well just be distracted and stay there for a decade. I have lots of friends here that I respect and I know that they're there for reasons like business. That's the life they want for their family. But there are some people, they're just there to be happy, which is not a bad reason. But it didn't, it wasn't enough for me. I really had to think about it. So when you moved from the corporate life to Shargao, what was your <laughs> motivation then? And how did that shift from that point to now? It was also a journey. When I moved to Shargao at first, it was only a three-month thing. The opportunity was just three months to just take care of the business. But then after that three months, there was another company, another group of friends that asked me if I wanted to stay on longer. So I had to decide. I went back to Manila, then I decided to go back to Shargao, and then I stayed there for the rest of the year. I think my motivation at that time was really just to explore. I was just tired of the city. <laughs> wow. I was tired of the city. I wanted to be by the ocean. I wanted to be an independent surfer. So that's only something that you can do if you have a lot of water time. Something you have to practice like any sport. And at that point, I think what was important for me is that I had a set of skills that I believed I was good at and I believe could carry me through any situation. But I think that's also something that's important. Knowing what you can bring to the table. So throughout the whole journey, I know that I have a skill when it comes to putting ideas together and communicating it to an audience. So basically anything between branding, marketing, communications in that sphere, I know that I can contribute. Like I'm not saying the best, but it's something that I'm confident can give insight wherever I am. So that's why I wasn't afraid of moving wherever. At that point, Aina, I also wanted, I was thinking, okay, one year in Shardau, and then one year in Boracay, and then one year in... <laughs> that was my mindset back then, because I said, okay, I want to learn how to dive, naman, since okay, I'm okay surfing, I'm happy with my level. I'll relocate to Bohol or Boracay to learn free diving. So it was a very different mindset back then. It was really pursuing interests and exploring. But there, the confidence I had in making those bold decisions came from knowing that I had a skill that I could offer and that people found valuable. So once you have that skill, it's just like an education. No one can take it away from you. It just depends how you will put it out into the world. But you get what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So some people know what they're good at or they're not confident enough to say that they're good at something. But honestly, once you start to say you're good at something and the opportunities come to practice it, you become even better. So don't be afraid to own it and say that this is what I can bring to the table. This is what I can offer. This is actually what people will be willing to pay you for. You can make a livelihood out of that. That's the skill I'm applying now in our family business. But it was something that I believe could take me anywhere. <laughs> 
Correct, because the problem then is not a lot of people not know what their skill is. I think that was also something that I struggled with for the longest time. And how do you think people can discover that skill or find what it is they're really good at? It has to be grounded in a deep interest for it. So if you're not interested in it, even if it is your skill, you're not gonna want it. You know, like it's not something that you would voluntarily offer to do or put yourself out there to do. Try to understand what you're interested in and then listen to the people around you. Honestly, like there are a lot of things that you miss. You have a lot of blind spots because you are yourself and you don't see yourself from other people's perspective. Talk to your good friends, talk to the people who have seen you grow and ask them like, hey, what am I good at? Or like, what have I helped you in? Or what do you think I have potential to develop? I was honestly very fortunate. So there was a part of my life where I was freelance consulting online for branding. And my first client who was a, he was in the coaching profession. So we were building his personal brand. And he told me that, I think you're really good at this. I wouldn't hesitate to recommend you to my friends. So hearing that kind of feedback and affirmation would also help you be more aware. Shankar also gave me feedback on what I'm not so good at. It was helpful. And then after you have that affirmation, you have that interest, you have that affirmation, just own it. Like I remember for another skill month for, for macrame. So if macrame is fiber art, I would never consider myself an artist because I don't paint or all those things. But someone also told me like, hey, you're really good at that. You're an artist. That's your art. So that would never be something I would associate myself with. It was just when I was living in Shergal, like when I began to say that, okay, yeah, I am good at this. And people do see that there's an aspect of design in my work. It's not just copying stuff of Pinterest. So I am an artist in this sense. I am an artist and fiber art is my realm. And that's how I got connected with my partner now for the brand we have in Shargao, which is a combination of her expertise as a fashion designer and my knowledge with fiber art. That's a different example of Manhili related to marketing, but it starts with the interest. And then you got the affirmation and feedback from the people around you. And then just don't be afraid to own it. Just because you're owning it doesn't mean that you're being boastful or feeling ganon. Just know how to make it palatable to your audience. Don't go out there saying like, I'm the number one blah 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 when you're not. You know, build on it and see where it takes you. It's like you, Anna, you're a writer. Right? Yeah, so, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, so own it. You already love it. Right? You're getting positive feedback on your writing, which is the ability to connect with people beyond the screen. So you're a writer. You shouldn't be afraid to redefine yourself every so often because you grow and uh, you're you're only in your early twenties and who knows what else you can be, you know? Thank you <laughs> for the reaffirmation. <laughs> you're welcome. She sent me the link to your blog. <laughs> I was I was taken aback there. I really agree also with, with what you shared. I do believe that it starts with that kind of basic interest, allowing yourself to explore and be interested in things and not thinking about the KPIs exactly yeah. at the very moment that you start becoming yeah. interested in it. But just seeing how everything unfolds as you enjoy that journey moving forward. Definitely. Um, I remember I, I wrote that. I like writing little things also. I wrote this thing on 
Instagram a few years ago. But it was a memory of one of my friends in our course, which is very business-oriented. She was saying, so she was going through something, and then I told her, why don't you get a hobby so that you have something to do? And then she goes, why would I get a hobby? Am I going to make a business out of it? Am I going to make any money out of it? What's the point of doing a hobby? My God, you don't have to have those goals when you start pursuing an interest. You don't pursue an interest with the intention of monetizing it because it takes the fun out of everything. If it ends up there, sure, why not? But there are also some people that intentionally don't want to monetize their hobbies because they want to keep it for fun. I always tell myself those gray areas where you don't know what's going to happen. Those are actually the moments where you allow miracles to happen or you allow you allow that space for God to work in your life and for amazing people to come in and for lessons and learnings to come. So that's what I tell myself when I try to plan everything. Stop, you know. You can plan up to a certain point, but the rest of it, you just have to trust and be faithful. And don't try to make money out of everything, even if that's what I'm doing now. <laughs> because it's it's a, it's a difficult time, <laughs> but you don't have to. So if you want to take away anything from my story in the past few years, what I I would want to impart is that there will always be uncertainty in life to whatever degree and I think it's very important to stay grounded and when in doubt or when you're confused I really encourage you to seek God and see what he has to say don't forget the people that are important to you and second learn how to discern discern good things from bad don't get carried away by your feelings or don't get carried away by nice words take the time to think about something to pray about something before making the jump again look into when you make decisions it's not just the idea you're buying into but it's the people also around that idea always challenge yourself to look at someone's character I'm not saying to judge them I'm just saying to observe because there are a lot of things you can observe about how they treat people how they handle stress how they handle failure the type of people they keep around them and because when you welcome these people into your life you're welcoming them to influence you also. Take time to think about it. And last, stay hopeful. It's a crazy time. Know your values. It's gonna be okay. <laughs> That's what I tell myself. You have to tell yourself. You have to believe that. Work hard, stay humble. Thanks, Ange, for sharing everything with me. I think those are very powerful, important words. Thanks, Aina.